right, everyone, let's go. It's episode two of the Wobcast. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. Wobby back with episode two, talking NFL, talking Vikings football. Happy that you're along for the ride. Chase and Giles with me per usual as we get set for the NFL season. The Vikings kicking off in under a week hosting the Green Bay Packers, but lots to get to before then here episode two what will it bring you well we're gonna have a special guest and he's gonna kick things off for us this is the Kirk Cousins experience that's the topic of the show and our guest today is Dave Ross who has a wide range of opinions on the subject and they're entertaining and interesting and I'm very excited for you to hear them later on in episode two of the Wobcast we're actually gonna venture into the waters of ranking the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL always a tenuous and arduous task especially with the landscape of quarterbacks in the AFC in particular right now it is a loaded group so we'll wade into those waters and see how we come out and then we'll close out the show with an NFC preview let you know where we think the Vikings sit in the land of the National Football Conference all of that to come later but we're going to kick things off with our guest today it's Dave Ross of VEASAN the Vegas Stats and Information Network, one of my favorite personalities at the network, and actually a gentleman I had the pleasure of working with last year on the Green Zone. A lot going on in Dave Ross's world, some programming changes at the network, which are going to put Dave in a very great time slot at the Vegas Stats and Information Network. So I encourage everyone to check out VEASAN, but more importantly, check out Dave Ross. You can find him on Twitter, at Sports. You can find him there, but you can find him right now on the Wobcast. Hello, Dave, my friend. How are you? Man, it's great to be with you, Bobby. Gentlemen, it's awesome to be with you guys uh, talking Vikings football here and just talking football in general. general. And, Bobby, I got to say, man, it was awesome having you in the green zone last year in our indoctrination together, talking Vikings football for the better part of 17 weeks. So it's really fun. I appreciate the shout out on VEASAN, but we loved having you on. Uh, just as much. So it's it's a privilege to be with you guys. Yeah, well, it's a privilege to have you on here. Um, Dave, your show, uh, Big Bets with Amal Shah. It is, I believe, two to four Eastern, mm-hmm. one to three here in the cornfields. And it's a recent move and a change at the network for you. So tell us and the listeners a little bit about what that change, how it happened and what, what it's going to mean and what the show's about. Yeah, it's, I've been out now in the desert uh, for a year since so coming from the Midwest there in Chicago for eight years. And uh, now they've moved me to Monday through Friday, which is just a joy out here in Las Vegas, because now I get my weekends to not just talk football while it's happening, you know, working. I get to do it more recreationally and really get into the games and the numbers uh, with, you know, instead of reacting literally in the moment as we were doing Wabi on the Green Zone last year. Now I get my weekends to really sit and kind of marinate on the games, both college on Saturday and, and pro football on Sunday. I'll be with Amal Shaw, as you mentioned, 2 to 4 Eastern, uh, Monday through Fridays here, uh, be some big bets. Uh, really fun to kind of pick Amal's brain, too, for a guy who's been in the industry here out in Las yeah. Vegas for a number of years. Uh, he really has a passion for college football. I mean, I love just about every sport, but certainly football comes to the forefront there as well. I'll still be doing my First Strike podcast weekly at Beeson as well, uh, getting to mixed martial arts, too. So, I'm kind of jack of all trades, master and none, but yeah. I absolutely love uh, breaking down NFL football, as you know, certainly a passion of mine and a passion for the country. Yeah, absolutely. And a passion of everyone here at, at the show, at the Wobcast, including Giles and Chase. So uh, glad you could 
join us, Dave. And as I mentioned at the top, uh, this is the Kirk Cousins experience. So, um, you know, Giles and I go back a little ways and have been talking Vikings for a long time. When I left the team, Giles and I ended up in the same spot and uh, we would work every now and then, but we would mostly talk Vikings. And, you know, we, we could really strike a chord um, on Kirk Cousins. I think we saw eye to eye on it. And, and honestly, Dave, that's really saying something, as you know. And I think you and I kind of are there, too, because almost no one sees eye to eye on Kirk Cousins. It's like lightning rod. It's like politics. You know what I mean? No, no question. I, 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 Giles and Chase, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm sure I'm going to find out where you guys fall on the KC8 spectrum uh, here. And, and look, I, you, you're right, though, Lobby. I do go way back with Kirk, uh, back in his D.C. days, right? So I was okay. there uh, when Kyle Shanahan was just the offensive coordinator. Mike Shanahan was, of course, the head coach then when he was drafted in 2012. And, and the reason why I got to kind of know Kirk a little bit was because he wasn't the guy, right? It was Robert Griffin III. He was the yeah. second mm -hmm. overall pick in that draft in 2012. And then when they took Kirk in the fourth round at Michigan State, I went – why would you draft another quarterback in the fourth round if it's Shanahan's? And clearly they saw something in him. And I'll never forget on draft day, they said then he was too good to pass up in the fourth round. Still on the board. Yes, nobody thought that, that Washington would go back-to-back -back with quarterbacks there first and fourth round to do that. Remember, they gave up a, a King's ransom to move up to number two to get Robert Griffin III out of, out of Baylor. So that's why it was really a, a double entendre, if you will, and a big surprise to the NFL world that when you give up all that capital to get a quarterback and Robert Griffin, the third the Heisman trophy winner, why would you then spend it on a fourth round pick? And I saw from day one, what the Shanahan's were talking about. And that was the studious nature of Kirk into that huge playbook that DC had back in those days, knowing he wasn't the guy, but stunning like he was the guy and, and wondering when that opportunity would come. And then with the injuries that quickly happened to Robert and even that rookie year, if you guys recall, Robert got the knee blown out uh, against Lodinata and the Ravens. Kirk started the next week against Cleveland, at Cleveland. And all he did in that first start was set a then Redskins rookie record for the most passing yards by a rookie in team wow. history. It wow. wasn't Robert. It was Kirk. Yep. So yep. he was ready to go at the jump. And I always was taken aback by his preparedness. He was always ready to go in. So when he did go in, the moment wasn't too big. It always felt like you know, after, you know, the Shanahan's kind of exited stage right, they come in with, with Jay Gruden. They didn't know what to do with Kirk. That's why they kept slapping that franchise tag on him. But I'll give him this. That dude, even though he felt slighted in D.C., he always felt like, man, I'm there. You gave me two franchise tags. You wouldn't fully commit. And then Minnesota committed. And the rest, as they say, is history. He got the most guaranteed money in the history of the NFL when he got that first deal to, to leave D.C. and go to Minnesota. So Kirk was always an opportunist and he made his opportunities and he made them happen. So I look at the guy and I know now he's up in the final year of that contract that he got. I think it was still a good deal for the Vikings. Maybe not exactly what they wanted, but still good enough. I'll be curious with the new coaching staff if he's on an almost a proven season to figure out what they have, if he's the guy going forward into the future for the Purple Gang. Yeah. And, and Giles, I, I want to point to you on this one, because li listening to Dave talk about that, I think he makes a very uh, good point on Kirk's professionalism and mm -hmm. just just being a pro and being ready to go. And I think sort of Giles, that's where you would like if you get into a sports talk radio argument with someone, you don't get to articulate on the air 
um, on TV, like at the green zone, um, Dave, like, you know, we'd banter back and forth and Wes would chime in and every now and then. like, you don't get to give that backstory of like, Hey, in Washington, when he was a rookie, he was preparing mm-hmm. like he was a starter, even though he wasn't the starter. And then his first game in, he set a record. So, and I think guys, that speaks a little bit to your point, uh, when you sort of take cousins back on some things. Yeah, hundred percent. Whenever I look at a, a quarterback, I often start, uh, at the place of variance because you look at a lot of different quarterbacks across the league. A lot of quarterbacks have a quite a huge range of variants. They have a really high high and maybe some low lows. Even someone like Patrick Mahomes, obviously very, very high ceiling, but when he went low, he went low. With Kirk, you always know what he is going to be. And honestly, um, I have a background in data science, and if I can get uh, a very solid baseline where I know what I'm going to get, I can build a game plan around that. Is he the Mm -hmm. perfect quarterback? Absolutely not. He has some very, very strong strengths. He also has some pretty dramatic weaknesses. Uh, But with that being said, he is still an above average quarterback. Is he a top five? In my opinion, no. If he's protected, maybe you you can provide some top five attributes. But at the end of the day, you know what he is. So if I'm a head coach and I'm a general manager and I have the ability to to draft well and draft rookies well that can play, that's a game plan I can go to the the yard with um, where I know exactly what I'm going to get out of him versus when you have that variance and I know if he has a train wreck, we're out uh, versus I know what I'm going to get out of him. Um, So if if you can leverage that correctly, I think there's some good things that could happen this year. Yeah, and isn't it, guys, that you look at Kirk, right? And you can go back to the D.C. days, and certainly I went back and even looked at the Minnesota years. I mean, they've been pretty darn good on paper, and I know it's yeah. not what the fan base wants to hear, right? Because they're yeah. like, you know, yeah, the, the miracle in Minneapolis, it wasn't Kirk, you know, throwing the out batter in there, right? It's yeah. different guys that got them to the highest points. But I think when you just look at it uh, statistically, I mean, his numbers last year are favorable in comparison to Aaron Rodgers as the two-time mm-hmm. reigning defending MVP. They're not that far off, yeah. but it's an eight and nine football team. They're always going to bl- play, place the blame at the quarterback. They get too much blame. They get too much credit. I totally understand that. Kirk understands that. That's the way of the world. That's the way we, we operate in fans and media base. But when you really do look at it, I, I, I'm with you, guys. I look at it and go, this is a guy that you can win with. You know, mm-hmm. Tyler Fulgham, a buddy of mine that I did a show with in Chicago for a number of years now at ESPN, you know, we would debate Kirk as everybody debates Kirk, of like, okay, is this a guy that's an elevator or a guy that needs to be elevated? And I think that's really where you start to delineate who he is. I actually do think he is an elevator. Tyler thinks he needs to be elevated. So those are the discussions you have. And I think they're both fair. And it really is a a difference of perception of who Kirk really is. I think this is a huge year for him now with JJ at wide receiver, maybe, you know, saying this is going to be the best offense. You know, we've had blah, blah, blah. The expectation levels are through the roof. If you can take over a team now with a new head coach, and now Kirk, it's not Zimmer, as you guys well know. Now Kirk mm-hmm. is the veteran. He's the guy that's been there, the old regime. Can he mm-hmm. really win over the new group, the new GM, the new head coach, and say, not only am I your current, but I should be your future as well? I think he will prove that to be the case, but I do think it's one big year for Kirk to make sure that that resonates with the new brass. It, it, it is. You're totally right about that, Dave. And and you mentioned the, the man's name who I was going to bring up next, and that is Mike Zimmer. And and what Mike Zimmer did from 2014 through 2017 with the Vikings, I mean, he was transformational. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Vikings defense in 2013 was the worst in franchise history, and that was immediately turned around by Mike Zimmer and, and that regime. And it was still Rick Spielman through that, but Rick Spielman changed a little bit with Zim. And 
it was very contract and cap heavy on defense. You know, it was Captain Munnerlin and Linval Joseph. And, you know, it was a lot of free agent signs. Well, now it's cap heavy on offense with Cousins. Mm-hmm. So Cousins needs to be the elevator. If he isn't, he needs to be that in order for people on the outside to say, like someone like Giles or Dave to say, see, I was right. Or for someone else to say, yeah, you're right. I was wrong. Cousins needs to elevate in order for that to become the outcome of the discussion. And I think the thing that is going to work in Cousins' favor now is that Zimmer is gone. Not because Zimmer didn't know what he was doing. Zimmer did know what he was doing. But Zimmer and Cousins were not a personality match. Right. And you can blame Cousins (laughs) for not being tough enough, or you can blame Zim for not being flexible enough. Doesn't matter. Zim is out and O'Connell is in, and I think that's a benefit for Cousins to have O'Connell here. Yeah, I mean, what's the, what's, what's the talk with Aaron Rodgers, right? That he's always the elevator in Green Bay, and that's why he wins the back-to-back MVPs. I actually thought, you know, Rodgers won it last year, the one, one week he didn't play against Kansas City, and Jordan Love did. And then yeah. people really got that stark contrast again. You know, the Kill and Mon discussion, as you guys well know, I guess Zim got that right in the end, <laughs> right? Whenever I play Mon. Well, like that, that's so funny to me that everybody thinks that they know better. And, like, Casey hates the problem. Start Kill and Mon. That's got to be the answer. And even the new regime comes in and goes, no, they, they were right on that one. It's still Kirk Cousins' team. He does have to be the elevator that Aaron is going to have the same opportunity for those rookie receivers in Green Bay. So I do look at it as a huge pivotal year to answer the ultimate question of who just Kirk Cousins really is. Yep, totally agree. Um, if you haven't, uh, if you've been teasing this, Dave, on, on your show and you don't want to give it away, don't. But to sort of wrap things up for us here, who do you like in the NFC? Have you have you talked oh, about yeah. future wages? Have you? Oh, I'll, I'll give it away. Okay. Who, yeah. Who do you well, like? all right. I wonder if, if Giles and Chase are just going to laugh me right out of the room. I love Kirk at fifty to one to win MVP. I really do yeah. because I, I look at it like this best value in the board. And I was looking at it. I love the picture, guys. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at the board and I see you know Patrick Mahomes is actually drifting a little bit. And I go, well, there's narratives because in in awards that are given by people who have narratives, right? That's what this is. This isn't a cut and yeah. cut and dry, you know, look at data. This is going to be, well, he did more with less. So if Minnesota could possibly usurp Green Bay in the North this year, there's a narrative. The NFC is clearly weaker than the AFC. I don't want to play Patrick Mahomes when you got to get through Josh Allen and maybe Derek Carr and Russell Wilson and the division of death in the AFC West. I want to go to where it looks easier in the NFC where there's only a handful of teams they look like they have the potential to be dominant. And if the Vikings can be at least on level par with Green Bay, I'm not saying they will, but this is how you can win that 51, right, mm-hmm. for MVP. If they are, and the numbers are almost equal as they were a year ago, and Aaron and the rookie core receivers takes a step back, and, you know, KCA and JJ take a step up, right, with their years now of maturation and the way they look like they're really clicking. And then, you know, you do add a, a third guy coming over from Philadelphia to compliment feeling and that wide receiver core. All of a sudden, man, the Vikings look like a real viable play. I had a guest on Vison this week that called it the, uh, the 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 purple winter is coming to Minnesota in the Game <laughs> of Thrones type throw. So, look, I, I think you should be high on the Vikes this year. I am. I would play them. I do love Kirk in that market as a long shot, as a real long shot that could cash uh, in the NFC. I think they're a playoff team. You guys tell me if the defense is going to be better. I think that's why also why Zim is not there. Not only the personality conflicts with Kirk, but the defense was was terrible last year. Yeah. And that's what he you know hung his hat on every night. 
So if the defense is a little bit better, I don't worry about the offense. I think they're a viable play as A, a playoff team, two, potential long shot to win the division in the North. And certainly Kirk as that 51 long shot feels like really money possibly well spent. Yeah. And, and you know what, at 50 to one, if you did the blind resume thing, yes. guys, you know, do the blind resume. You don't have Kirk's name up there and then just show the last three stats. And then you say, yeah, you get this guy 50 to one to win the MVP. I mean, it's like you're pressing, you're pressing enter until Clark County runs out of paper. Like just <laughs> keep pressing enter 50 to hey, one. Guys, I got to ask yeah. you one question. Cause again, you guys know this team better than I, but my nephew, Josh is getting married this weekend in Minneapolis Ooh. and Jess his fiance, soon to be wife. She's a Minnesotan. Did I say it right? Minnesotan. Yeah, you she's, got that. Right. Yeah. So they're like, she has converted my nephew into being a, a dyed in the wool Vikings fan. Okay. They can't stand Casey. Oh. They can't, they can't, they, okay. they're like uncle Dave, just don't. And I'm like, this is the year. I'm like, this is the year that Kirk is going to win over my nephew and his bride to be this weekend in Minneapolis. Cause week one, it really, I mean, you jump out of the gate against green Bay at home and you're giving me a point and a half, by the way, don't need them. I'm playing the Vikings money line straight up. And I'm going to tease them through the hilt, through yeah. the seven, the key number of seven in week one as well. I mean, it just feels like everything's going to fall into place in week one and get a mm-hmm. game up in the division against the Packers. And if they don't get it and Kirk doesn't do what I think, then my nephew's going to say, see, Uncle Dave, I told you yep. so. Like <laughs> week one is a paramount for the Vikings' success this week. This it year. is. And, and it's not for Green Bay. And it's not for Green Bay, right? right? I mean, look right. what happened to Green Bay against New Orleans in week one. You know, they get waxed, you know, and it's, they, they recover. I mean, that, yes. you know, but for the Vikings, it is a big game for them. It's huge. And, and I don't know yeah. how you would weigh that into your handicapping. You know, I think that angle can be overplayed at times, uh, mm-hmm. but um, it's absolutely a fact that this yeah. is a huge week. One's huge for the Vikings and Green Bay is not going to look at it as just any other game. It's still no. week one. It's still your division rival, but they will be able to overcome losing that game. The Vikings, it would be just a huge boon to their season to, yeah. to win. Um, I would be remiss not to mention the Cowboys, Dave, before we go. I know I, I said this last time. Last question before we go. Now I'm asking another one. Uh, you're a Cowboys guy. How are you feeling about your squad? Well, I felt a lot better until Tyron Smith went out until December. I mean, you know, I, I've done so many shows this summer, and I kept saying, you know, the key to the Cowboys' offensive line would be Tyron Smith, the guy that I go to Canton, Ohio, one day. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, you can't make the club from the tub, and you know, availability is the best ability, and all those cliches you want. I can't stay healthy. I love the guy. He's going to be out until December at the earliest. Can you really count on him for the second season, if you will, to even get that part of the Cowboys now? You got to take the rookie that you drafted at a, at a Tulsa, who's a guard, and flip him outside and, and play offensive tackle and protect the blind side. Good luck, man. Look, I, the, the value was on the Eagles when they were as high as three to one to win the division. That value is gone. I saw today the Cowboys and the Eagles are in a dead heat at plus a dollar fifty to win the division. Bobby, you know me. I did play the Cowboys at plus a dollar forty two weeks ago before the Tyron Smith injury. I almost rue it now and I go, oh man, I could have waited and got yeah. an even better number. I didn't know about the injury. I still think that Dak is the reason why I still have hope that he's the best quarterback in the division. Jalen Hurts has got to prove it to me. Uh, their offensive line is spectacular in Philly. They can run the ball. I do have a question about if the Cowboys can do that enough. Losing Randy Gregory in the defensive side is a loss. Make no, no bones about it. But uh, I do think they're going to be better on offense. Schultz is huge uh, for, a, for somebody like, like Dak to have a security blanket in his tight end. 
until he gets Gallup back. CD's got to slide over to be the number one guy now. Yep. Yep. Maybe out of the slot. We'll see how that plays out. So there's more questions about Dallas early, but I think Dallas would be better late. And if Dak Prescott, knock on wood, a guy who's been injured the last two years, nobody likes to talk about that, but it has happened. If he can't stand up because the offensive line can't protect him, then it's going to be a longer season. The Eagles in that quarterback room and Gardner Minshew there as the number two are more equipped to handle an injury to your key position than sure. the Cowboys are. So they've already had a problem at left tackle. Let's hope that four, if you're back in the star like I am, doesn't go down. Because if so, then it's Philadelphia for them to lose. But right now, I do think it's even in the market. And I do like the Cowboys at a plus price. By the way, they were minus $1.40 before the draft. So right now you're getting the wow. best value you're ever going to get on a team that won 12 games a year ago. Yep, exactly mm-hmm. right. And and that has loads of talent and a defense that, you know, really had an uptick last year. Mm-hmm. I see, you know, I see that division a lot like the North, Dave, where it's, you know, it's t- people are talking about two teams. And yes. you might like the the grindy, gritty nature of the Redskins, just like you might like the grindy, gritty nature of the Lions, you know, but those are <laughs> they're kind of also Rams. It's it's a two-team yeah. division um, in yeah. the East, just Man like it Gamble. is in the North. Yeah, yeah, so, and yeah you get yeah. Plus, plus money on the top two in the East is pretty good. You got to lay it with the, with the Packers. I wouldn't do that. Plus money for the Vikings, I think, makes more uh, smarts here from the betting profile. But I'm with you. Look, I, I love hard knocks. Who doesn't? You love yep. the biting kneecaps of Dan Campbell. They don't feel like they're ready to compete. And by the way, my old stomping grounds in Chicago, they might be the worst team in football. I mean, Ooh, they, they're a bad roster. That is a bad yeah. roster, a bad 53. I feel bad for Justin Fields. It's a bad O-line as well. Yeah. So to me, it, the best value in the division is where you guys are looking at there in Minnesota. Yeah. At D Ross Sports on Twitter, Vison two to four Eastern Time weekdays, big bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shah. This was uh, truly a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Dave. I really appreciate you giving us a little bit of a boost here and, and spending some of your valuable time with us. Well, just when you guys are mega stars, don't forget about me. I want to come back and talk on your show. Again. You got it. You always have a spot here, Dave. Appreciate you guys. All right. Yep. Well, there you go, fellas. I hope the uh, the conversation is as good as I sort of uh, propped it up to be as we were going through production meetings for this episode. I, I feel like Dave has his finger on the pulse of the league pretty well, but um, he's got an opinion on cousins that sort of fits in with the conversation that happens here locally, don't you think? Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I really find it intriguing how he layers on the the betting aspect of what's going on in the NFL. Yep. He uh, really brings some unique insight. Yeah, he does. And and that's that's the prism through which he'll always view it. Uh, you know, so when we have him back on the show, our show, you know, that because he's living that every day and it's not just the NFL, it's baseball and it's the NBA and it's NHL and it's golf, right? So um, he's always going to, going to view it. And, you know, he comes off, he came off probably as a Homer for the Vikings, but, and he's really not. And that's why I wanted to throw in that Cowboys mention at the end. If you follow him on Twitter or listen to his show, he's a Cowboys fan. Um, you know, so it's interesting that he's got the ability to have this grounded, sensible viewpoint on Kirk cousins, who used to play for the then Redskins arch rival of the Cowboys, right? So yeah, he's got a very analytical, uh, level-headed, sensible approach to it. We'll definitely have him back on the show uh, in the future to talk Vikings, NFL, betting. He'd be a great guest uh, around the Super Bowl, right? To talk about all the Super Bowl props and the gambling angles there. So um, let's continue the Kirk Cousins experience, guys, and and talk a little bit more about how we here in – in Minnesota and Vikings land feel about him. So let's, let's break him down. 
on a personal level, playing the position and some intangibles and then settle on where he lies in the topography of the NFL and get into our top 10 quarterbacks list. Okay. So we'll start with personally where I've actually had the pleasure to be around him, right? I've had the opportunity to be around Kirk having been with the team uh, for the beginning of his tenure there. So that would have been 18 and 19, two seasons I had with him Um, on a personal level. I like him. I think he's a likable guy for us, for fans. Um, You know, I think he does it the right way. He plays the position. He's principled, but he's gracious, Um, you know, and I think he makes a good accounting of himself as a representative of his family, of your team and of the position. Yeah, he's not for everyone, but who is? And he clearly wasn't for Zim, Um, you know, and so that's where I think the biggest point of optimism for this season for the Vikings lies is in that relationship that he'll now have with his head, a new head coach. I think that's going to allow cousins, the opportunity to play a little bit better. Uh, so on a personal level, guys, I think he passes the test. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, honestly, especially when you look at uh, all the different fan bases around the the NFL, Minnesota mm-hmm. specifically, I mean, everyone knows us as the Minnesota nice. I think he embodies what a lot of the Minnesota uh, personality on average is. Um, sure. So although, you know, there's maybe a Republican Democrat type divisiveness to Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. I think his personality, if you know of him, uh, or at least, you know, know him beyond the football or, you know, know him behind uh, behind center, he is what Minnesota, I think, embodies. Yeah. Yep. I, I think that's a good way to put it. So technically playing the position, I think, again, I think he passes the test here. Um, I think he's fundamentally sound. I think he understands the game. I think when given the opportunity to manage a game or manage the clock, use timeouts, hurry up or not, like all of that, I think he understands and mm-hmm. you're, you're safe with him. Um, but again, I think it's fair to question him as him with Zim, his ability to lead the team with Zim as, as his head coach, I think was really where the rubber met the road and it didn't work out for the Vikings. So I I get it. Not everyone can be Tom Brady and have that, that sort of aura over the team. And to ask Kirk to be that way is not fair because he is not that guy, Mm -hmm. but I think from a playing the position standpoint, again, he passes the test, a guy that you would stand up as your quarterback and you should have a shot to win. Yep. Uh, especially when you remove personality from it and you look at all the stats uh, across quite a few different categories. He's actually top five. Um, last yeah. year, I believe he was one or two in, in uh, passer rating uh, when protected. Um, he obviously has a tremendous amount of yards. Um, he has very low amount of interceptions. Um, when protected, he is a top five quarterback in certain attributes. But I yeah. think um, that's where the entire quarterback conversation becomes full circle. It's it's not just what you bring on the field. It's also the personality that you bring. And if you're able to, to rise yeah. above certain situations and carry the team, especially when you carry uh, a top five cap hit. Yep. And and exactly right. You hit on the two the two biggest um, the two biggest issues in this entire talking point is is he an elevator or not? And is what he is his value added requisite with what it costs to have him? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yep, this, exactly. this is what it comes down to, right? And so yep. when you go to intangibles, toughness, does he pass the test for you guys? Yes. Yes, I think so. Yep. Um, is, is he a killer? So this is one where I might disagree with the team. I think based on his, his track record all the way back to high school indicates that he has some killer instinct. I don't think you're able to go into the scenarios that he's gone into as an extreme underdog and not even Mm -hmm. in the conversation in most contexts and rise to the level that he has without having some level of killer aspect. Now, the descriptor of what is a a killer personality may be up for debate, uh, but the sheer fact that he's able to be an above average quarterback in the NFL when he wasn't even recruited to top five schools until like the latter half of his senior year of high school. Um, He got drafted behind RG three in Washington and he was always the underdog. I don't think you make it where you need to go without some level of killer aspect. That's true. I I don't think we can't say he's not competitive enough. I mean, he is very competitive. I've been there. I've been at practices. He gets mouthy to the defense at times and team periods. So he is competitive. I like that. I don't think that message gets out there enough that he has that level of flavor to his personality. I think people think of him as he doesn't say a word when he's on the field and he's this kind of quiet guy in the corner. I think that is a misrepresentation. Um, So I think it's important to actually understand the real Kirk Cousins, both the positive and the negative. But like, it's just, there's something about it guiles when it happens that it doesn't like look or feel natural okay all right you know and i'm not saying that that makes it wrong i'm saying my perception of it when i see it is that's not that doesn't seem like because okay well well it feels and looks like it to me Uh, and again i'm not saying he's not competitive but he's such a nice guy and Mm -hmm. so level-headed and sensible in any other context except you know when the blood gets gets boiling in a team period of practice like then he gets a little like mouthy like i've seen him do it to harrison smith and kendrick's and like but again it so it's just this dichotomy in my mind of him that i i just can't totally sign off on it and just believe in him yeah because something like that feels unnatural to me and the guy that i want to believe in and put all my chips in the middle for that should be a natural looking thing for him to do and it's not yeah Because at the end of the day, he's not a gunslinger personality. He's an executor. He's yes. a, a very, a very to the T, um, very yes. highly skilled executor. But he's an executor. He's not a off the cuff, off the script type mentality. Which I mean, I think we can we can debate all day long whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, I think when you know what you're getting, you can at least build a formula around it. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it does. So let let me let me put a bow on this here. Um, in the topography of the NFL, you have Kirk Cousins, you know, where are you? What do you have? You know, and I, I think what we have seen through a decade with him and particularly for the Vikings here over the last few seasons, you know, I think, unfortunately, it's kind of no man's land a little bit mm-hmm. because you're very, you're, you're more than respectable. You're very good on offense with Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're so good though that you're not ever going to be a three or four win team and be in position to get an Andrew Luck who's coming up, right? Or Mm -hmm. to get, you know, I'll just use the other examples, to get Peyton Manning, right? To get this guy that everyone believes in. And I haven't seen it from Trevor Lawrence, but a guy like that. You're never going to be in a position to get that guy with Cousins as your quarterback because he's Mm -hmm. too good and going to win too many games. But we haven't seen him rise up to the level to get you to the promised land either. So you're kind Mm -hmm. of in no man's land. 
And the Vikings haven't been able to break that cycle with him. And the last thing I'll say before I give way to you to put a bow on this from your perspective too is the pessimism point is we've seen it for 10 years. Why do you think it's going to change? But the point of optimism is O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Not that O'Connell's a better coach than Mike Zimmer, but that O'Connell is a better coach for Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. than Mike Zimmer was. And I think if we see progress, if we see a little bit more this year, than what we've seen. Like, like think how we felt about Cousins when he beat New Orleans in New Orleans in the playoffs. So if we, if it's a half step beyond that with O'Connell this year, then I think you're onto something and you have every right to stand behind him and believe in him. If it's the same old story this year, though, I don't know why you I don't know how you could still be on the on the train for him as a guy who is an elevator and a, a transformational guy for your franchise. I completely agree. I think this is the make it or break it year for Kirk Cousins. And I think um, uh, per your comment about uh, uh, Kevin O'Connell, I also think you need to layer in Quezzy uh, into that conversation as well, because sure. to win the Super Bowl in the NFL, you have to have a great quarterback, period, full stop, no questions asked. Now, yeah. the big debate is how good of a quarterback does that actually need to be? And I would say nine times out of 10, you need a Kirk Cut or a, a, a Patrick Mahomes. You need a Tom Brady. You need someone that can win the game for all intents and purposes for you. However, I think in the last uh, 10 to 20 years, there have been a handful of times where a an above average but non-elite quarterback has not only made it to the Super Bowl, there's plenty of those, uh, but also won the Super Bowl. And I think in those contexts, it's important to note that the GM was able to draft rookies and being able to fulfill a roster on uh, rookie scale contracts. And I think okay. respectfully, as of you know recent news, we have not done so well in that category up until now uh, under Rick Spielman. I mean, yep. almost the entire 2021 draft class have been uh, disseminated and put up, pushed off to other teams or not even on a roster for that matter. So mm-hmm. with that being said, if Quezzy can really take this rookie draft class and actually get production out of them, I think, I think that's where you're able to be successful with a non elite quarterback, elite being, uh, the top five category. Um, yeah. so if we can get into that, that, that realm, I think that's where we give ourselves a shot. If you're not able to draft rookies that can be immediately productive, um, actually on the grass, I think then it's a non-starter issue. Yep. Yep. And, and so you've got level of play and leadership with cousins, but then again, you're kind of alluding to this whole cap hit thing and what's it cost to have them, right? Mm-hmm. Because, the Vikings get to the NFC championship game in 17 with case Keenum at quarterback. Right. And it's like, how can Kirk cousins not do better than not get the team further than what case got him? But it's just not a fair comparison because the Vikings were just loaded on defense that mm-hmm. season. Right. So, yep. I mean, case Keenum is not getting last year's Vikings to the NFC championship game, just not happening. Right. Yeah, so, um, right. So uh, there's, there's that element to it as well. So, all right, let's get to segment three, top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL Giles, you alluded to what's elite top five. Well, we have a top 10. Um, so there's no need to drag this out, but we do need to make a key point of distinction here. What's the criteria? So the the Wobcast top 10 quarterbacks is based on who you would want under center for you right now to win games this year. Okay. So we're not we're not trying to go back on our our on our glory days and look at who's still kind of hanging around in the league and was in the top 10, and we're not projecting out we're not saying what's kenny pickett going to be like right okay so it's right now you got to win a game who do you want um i have my list here and i'll read it off to you guys and let's have a conversation about it i'm anticipating a couple of 
holes that you're going to want to poke in my list. Um, but I'm anticipating that we're going to agree on a bunch of them as well. All right. All righty. Let's do it. I think we should start at 10 and work our way down to one. You guys good with that? All right. Love it. Mm -hmm. So not to be anticlimactic here, but um, number 10 on the, on the list is our guy is Kirk cousins. He gets into the top 10 for me and he is number 10, which means obviously there's nine ahead of him, and we'll unveil who those are, but let's stop right there. If you were to do a top 10 quarterback list, guys, would Cousins be on it? And if so, where would he be? If not, how close is he to getting in? He's number 10, so he does make the Wobcast list. Honestly, I think uh, based on your description of our our uh, top 10 formula, I would say he absolutely gets in because okay. I think that's where a lot of top 10 lists get kind of skewed where people are having different conversations. Some people look at certain quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence and said, well, he should be way higher. He's going to be a generational quarterback. Yeah. Well, ultimately he hasn't proven it yet. So if you're trying to win now and you want to know exactly who they are, Kirk absolutely is top 10. Um, <laughs> yeah. Full stop. Chase in or out top 10 cousins. Um, for me, it depends where you have Derek Carr on your list. Um, that's, yeah. the debate. that's the debate I see a lot. Personally, I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Um, so if we're talking about top 10, I don't know if I can put him up there if Derek Carr is not in there. Um, but I guess we'll have to hear the rest of the list to sort you, that one out. Yeah, you know, um, Joe Lenardi would do college basketball, like last four in, like mm -hmm. who would be the next four out when he's trying to guess this. Yeah. So let's just put put it this way. Um, Derek Carr would be on like one of the next four in. So I don't have him okay. in. Out. interesting okay but but like if i could if it was a top 11 he would be a candidate for like number 11 all right it, yeah. let's do the next three <laughs> coming in at number nine is matthew stafford number eight lamar jackson and number seven i think will be the subject of our first debate number seven i have justin herbert okay so cousins 10 stafford nine lamar jackson eight justin herbert seven Honestly, uh, I would say I agree with all, honestly, all that list, except for Justin Herbert, uh, call me a Stan, but I think he's higher than that. Higher than seven. Okay. Yep. So there's someone that I'm going to name coming up here who you would bump down. So Herbert could come up. Yep. Okay. Chase. Uh, I, I like Herbert right there. I, I think he's good. I haven't seen, I haven't seen greatness from him yet. Okay. For me, he makes the playoffs both of his ears. So. All right. So Herbert Fair at enough. seven, I think the debate is with who is at number six. Who do you think's at six? Joe. Yep. Joe Burrow. Yep. <laughs> so Burrow six, Russ Wilson five, Josh Allen four, Cousins 10, Stafford nine, Lamar eight, Herbert seven, Joe Burrow six, Russell Wilson five, Josh Allen four. Go. Josh Allen feels a little bit low at four, uh, okay. but I I can see where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of old guard, maybe a little old yeah. guard here in the top. Hey, if three. you got to win yeah. now, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Chase Burrow six. I think you I want love, him higher. Well, here's the thing. Um, as of right now, no. I think I think Joe Burrow. I think six is just about perfect for him. Um, okay. He's definitely better than Herbert in my opinion. Um, look at their two <laughs> rosters. Uh, Herb I, and I love I love Herbert. Don't get me wrong. But his um his roster is not the same as the roster that Joe Burrow took to the Super Bowl and mm -hmm. almost won the Super Bowl with. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other on the other end of that, Josh Allen at four. The way I see it, if you if you put the quarterbacks in tiers, there's four quarterbacks that are in that first tier. Um, okay. And Josh Allen's in that. So and yep. I'm assuming the next three are about a 
be read off here. Um, yep. So I think I think that's a fair ranking for Josh Allen. I think they're so, all interchangeable. So. All right. So so Allen, I agree. He's um, unquestionably a top five guy. And if you told me he can't be at four, you got to move him. I would move him to three before I'd move him to five. Um, I have respect for his game and um, sort of his coming out party was a game against the Vikings a few years ago, if you remember at oh, US Bank Stadium. Yeah. Um, yeah, where he was kind of played, he played out of his mind. He was really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so I'd move him to three before I'd move him below four. I'll give you that. But I just, out of, out of respect for body of work, I couldn't put him ahead of these next three. I just couldn't do it. Um, and so who we have left in some order is Rogers, Mahomes, and Brady in the top three. Okay. Um, and the way I did it was Brady three, Mahomes two, and Aaron Rodgers one. Um, and I didn't do this for clickbait or to be controversial or to create a conversation. I just really feel, and the way I looked at it, guys, let's wrap this up quickly. But the way I looked at it was if I showed up to play a game and I've got my team, okay, whoever that team is, Mac mm-hmm. Jones and the Patriots or cousins and the Vikings or Tua and the dolphins. Or, that's my team. I show up to the stadium, but I don't know who I'm playing until mm-hmm. I get there. And I look across the field and I, who, who's the quarterback and what's my reaction to it. Who am I the most bummed to have to play? It's Rogers. Hmm. Okay. 100%. It's Rogers. That's the one I don't want. Like if I could choose one and just throw it out and I don't have to deal with him, it would be Rogers. Don't have to worry about that. It's so close between for me between that Mahomes and Brady and Rodgers, but if yeah. I had to pick one, it would be Rodgers. Okay, I'll give you that. Honestly, in my in my mind, I would maybe flip Brady and Rodgers and have Rodgers at three and Brady at number one based sure. on sample of work. And if you need to go win a, a Super Bowl, like if you're if you're starting a Super Bowl, who are you starting? I'm starting Tom Brady. I'm sorry, yeah. um, but I understand the the line of thinking uh, surrounding Rodgers. Um, cool. I think when you're going through the the quarterback criteria that you went through earlier, you could make an argument that Rogers lacks some of the intangibles as well when it comes to off the field dynamics that he causes Definitely. some issues. Yep. Um, now his his production speaks for itself, right? Uh, some people maybe make some arguments that he's not as great in the playoffs. I think that's more happenstance than not. But uh, honestly, I think Brady's topping my list. Yep, Chase. Um, like I said before, I mean, all four of those guys, you know, Alan Mahomes, Brady and uh, Rogers, they're all interchangeable for me. I mean, there's different days where I want each one of them, but, um, I do think Rogers is the best quarterback in the league right now. I think there's just something about him. I just, like you said, I mean, maybe it's just us as Vikings fans who we don't want to see Rogers on the field at all, but yeah, he's a phenomenal football player. So he's my number one. And then honestly, I think I go to a to B to C with, with the other three. I just, it's so yeah. hard to rank them, but it is, it is. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs. And when you make a case for your guy, by definition, at some point, you're going to start taking away from someone else on this list, who is a player that deserves to have nothing taken from him. Right. Yeah. I mean, you'd be, you know, conversely, if like the other way to look at it, the way I said, like, if I had to look across the field and I didn't want to play against this guy, it'd be Rogers. But again, if you were doing the quarterback musical chairs and you sat music in it and you sat down and it was Mahomes or Allen 
or Herbert, I mean, you'd be happy with that compared to mm-hmm. what, what else you could get, right? <laughs> of the other 32 choices. So mm-hmm. uh, you're going to bat with any of these 10 guys we named. So always fun to do top tens. They're good conversation pieces. Good thing uh, to do for a podcast. And uh, we, we encourage anyone out there listening who's got an opinion. You want to rip us apart for ours or you want to tell us what yours is. Uh, you should go ahead and do that. Uh, all the different ways you can uh, interact with the podcast. Uh, let's go to segment four. The NFC preview quickly, guys. Um, let's take a look at the NFC overall compared to last year. So not compared to the AFC, but how you feel about the NFC this year compared to last year. I think it's about the same. It might be a touch weaker for some reasons, like Matt Ryan leaves the Falcons and goes to the Colts, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he got um, Amari Cooper leaves and leaves the Cowboys. I think that makes them weaker, goes to the Browns, makes them a little bit better. But, you know, Give or take, I think you're sitting about the same um, in terms of toughness. I think it's definitely weaker than the AFC. I don't think you could really argue that. And yeah. I think if anyone is still hanging on to that, if they're NFC homers, I think one way to look at this is if you look at both conferences and just say, okay, playoff picture and then like wild card contenders, like who are you drawing a line through before the season even starts in each conference? You know, and I think in the AFC, there's really only three that you would draw a line through. I think it's the Jets, the Jaguars, and Houston. Everyone else, I think you'd be remiss to draw a line through them. I get yeah. it that Pittsburgh has a, a, a you know inexperience at quarterback, but they just too much success long-term yeah. to write them off. Great head coach. Um, yep, great head coach, right. So I just, there are not many in the AFC I'm writing off right now. Mm-hmm. Um, conversely, in the NFC, there's a couple <laughs> more I would. Okay, and... Maybe it's a little unfair for me to write off Carolina and New Orleans, but I'm drawing a line through those two teams. But I don't think it's unfair. Giants, Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, Seattle. I, I just can't see it this year. For don't hate teams. on my Dan Campbell Lions. Let's, I'm sorry. On. I'm sorry, Giles. <laughs> Arrow pointing up. Arrow pointing yeah. up. But I, I just yeah. I, I draw a line through them. So They're not a I contender. Think, I think if you look at it through how many do you already know aren't contenders, there's just more in the NFC than the AFC, right? Yep. hundred percent full stop. Um, all right. Division winners. Let's go quickly. Um, I think we're going to disagree on a couple of them. I'm going to go Dallas in the East green Bay in the North Tampa in the South Rams in the West. Any there that you guys want to talk about? Uh, well, let's bring things home and let's talk about the NFC North. I mean, come on, are you bleeding uh, cheese over there? No, Uh, I'm not. I'm definitely not. Uh, I will say I have thought for the last few seasons that the Packers were going to turn a turn a corner, but they've continued to be 13 and three. So maybe I'm naive or trying to rip them. But I think with Devontae Adams gone, with Zedaria Smith gone uh, and specifically over in purple, I think there is an opportunity for the Vikings to overtake the Packers for yeah. the first time in a while. OK, um, I think that's a fair opinion. And we're going to do official NFC North Vikings record predictions in episode three. Uh, so we'll get to that in the next show. Um, but, you know, I do think it's a two headed race. I think the East is a two headed race too, Dallas and Philly. And yep. I kind of want to go with Philly. But when I look at the quarterbacks, I just I know that Dak can do it. And I think Jalen Hurts can do it, but I haven't seen it. So I'm not there with them. I'm going to stick with Dallas. Yep. I put myself in the same category. Um, now that the Eagles have lost Jalen Rager, now there's no way they can win. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, but honestly, they have a stacked roster. They have arguably they a top five roster when you look across the entire offense and def- defensive spectrum. Um, they have a stout offensive line. Same thing on the defensive side of the ball. It's whether or not you think Hertz can make it happen. Yep. I agree. Um, if he can make it happen, I think the Eagles win the East. I, you know what? I do too. If Hertz is like, like Philly thinks he can be, you know, something that none of us think he can be because he's their guy. Yeah. Um, but let's say he's 80% of what they've planned for him to be. Then I think Philly wins a division. I think yeah. that gets them over the top because that wouldn't make him better than Dak necessarily, but yep. it, because so much else is better in Philly than in Dallas, right. Yep. It would, it would elevate the whole thing. Yep. Um, so that, I think I could be wrong on, on that one. Um, Tampa, I don't know how you make a, a case for anyone else in that division. And then I think the West is, is competitive and interesting. Um, again, uh, with San Francisco, the same opinion on Trey Lance as with Jalen Hurts. Haven't seen it. Not going to believe it till I do see it. And I'll stick mm-hmm. with the Rams. I don't like this Matthew Stafford elbow thing at all. Yep. Um, that concerns me. And then the Super Bowl hangover concerns me as well. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and furthermore, they don't have to contend with Russell Wilson anymore, at least on a yeah. <laughs> twice a year spectrum. Yep, agreed. Um, Wild card contenders in the NFC, it's Green Bay or Minnesota, whoever you think will not win the division. They are a mm-hmm. wild card contender. I would say Philly is a wild card contender for sure. Yep. You let me know if you think Dallas, since you would have Philly winning, you let me know if you think Dallas is. And then I would put Arizona in there as the fourth wild card contender. So for me, it's Minnesota, San Francisco, Arizona, and Philly as the wild card contenders. For you guys, if you believe it's Philly in the East, it would be Dallas or not. And then I'd be curious to hear what you think about Arizona. I might be proven wrong, but I don't think Cowboys have it in them. Uh, it's okay. it's ironic, but they almost have Super Bowl hangover every year um, where they have such high expectations. And um, I know they just signed um, uh, Jason Peters at left tackle to try to give them yep. a little more stability at the O-line. Um, but I just, I don't see it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Mike McCarthy. I think he is past his prime. Um, so I think their ability to score offensive points uh, on a consistent basis is going a lot more to the history. Um, sure. So I don't know. I, I just don't see it happening. How about Arizona? Ooh, that one's a tough one. I want to like them on paper. I just can't get myself to go there. Um, I think uh, uh, Kyler... He has some great attributes, but I don't think he's been able to really truly prove it. Um, where last year, I think their record was way better than what their team was. Um, they're, they kind of lucked into as good of a record as they did. Uh, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, the Vikings almost beat them and we didn't make the yeah. playoffs. So um, I think that should be uh, worth considering. Um, I don't know. They have nice uniforms, but other than that, I don't see them making a haul. All right. All right. So there we are. That is our NFC uh, preview uh, for the Wobcast, looking at a lot of the same from last year. But for those of us in this universe, one of the changes we're hoping is in the NFC North. We'll see if the Vikings can uh, can flip the script, so to speak. And we'll get into more of an NFC North Vikings specific preview in episode three of the Wobcast. All right, uh, let's close out the show here. Our thanks once again to Dave Ross for joining us uh, earlier in the show. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, if you skipped ahead to the later part of the show, go back and listen to Dave Ross. We're hoping he'll be a recurring guest here on the Wobcast at D Ross sports on Twitter is where you can find him. He's a host at VEASAN, the Vegas stats and information network. Make sure you check him out and all those guys at VEASAN. Um, next episode, it'll be a Vikings Packers 
uh, preview. And then we'll get into some Viking specific and NFC North specific predictions as well. And we'll touch on a few gambling topics and, um, and maybe get to some, um, some other topics that are on our mind before we head out into the regular season, which we're all excited to see um, where you can find the Wobcast, where you can find all of your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Amazon music, Pandora, and you can also find us on YouTube. So make sure you check us out there as well. And we want interaction from you guys. We love it when fans drive the content. So make sure you find ways to interact with us Two of the best ways to do that on Twitter, where you can find me at Wobby. And you can also email us at real wob or at real wobcast at gmail.com real wobcast at gmail.com email us your thoughts your questions and we'll be sure to incorporate them into the show so for giles and chase this is wobby signing off for now we'll see you next time